Welcome to The Catalyst, where we explore creative ideas to spark innovation in an unhealthy healthcare system. I'm your host, Dr. Lara Salyer, a physician and mom of three who is reimagining the way I practice medicine after suffering and overcoming burnout. Join me as I teach you how to optimize flow and catalyze your own revolution in healing. Tune in for candid conversations with leading experts in conventional and holistic healthcare who dare to believe a better future is possible for all of us. Life is made of teeny catalytic moments of immense impact. When strung together, the transformation is magical. Join us and let's color outside the lines. Welcome to the Catalyst Podcast. You are lucky to hear the conversation with Dr. Katherine Woodhouse. She is a triple board certified physician in internal medicine, pediatrics, and obesity medicine. But this episode is life-changing, especially if you are struggling along the lines of burnout. You're going to hear some of her techniques that she uses with her clients, like the soap note technique. Oh, my favorite. We'll talk about how we can change medicine from inside the system. And if you're feeling lost and forlorn, and like I said, feeling a little depersonalized, maybe some emotional exhaustion or low perceived achievement, these three markers are burnout, listen to Dr. Catherine. She's going to walk us through. She has lots of experience. She's been a commissioned core officer in the U.S. Public Health Service. She's crisscrossed the country for eight years, providing medical care to multiple medically underserved communities and served in Hurricane Katrina. After completing her active duty obligation, she provided coverage to numerous hospital-employed private practices in Atlanta while pursuing additional ventures. As such, she has been a proud professional locum physician for 23 years. She's seen it all. She authored a medical humor book, Party Gown, A Doctor's Laughable Advice, and co-authored Called to Lead, Success Strategies for Women. She also co-invented a device for manual wheelchair users to improve their mobility in non-pristine terrain. She is joyful and thriving. She's a burnout survivor. She loves helping physician and clinician colleagues experience less stress and greater well-being as a positive intelligence coach. She lives in Atlanta with her wonderfully supportive family and is a colossal fan of books, exercise, laughter, chocolate, and singing loudly in the shower. She is a polymath. Listen to this as we dissect what it means to sign up for a career in medicine and have to have a creativectomy, putting your interests on the shelf. It's time to bring them down and integrate them with Dr. Katherine Woodhouse. Oh my goodness, Dr. Katherine Woodhouse. I don't even know how the universe put each other in our paths, but I am forever grateful because it's not often that I am so excited to talk to somebody I've really never talked to before. You've you've really done so many things that literally pick apart the same neurons in my brain. And I feel like we're sort of sisters that that kind of are in the same sphere, doing singing the same songs and trying to make change in a system that feels very unchangeable. So thank you, Dr. Catherine, for spending this hour with me and for being a guest on our podcast. Well, thank you, Dr. Lara. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. I love creative people and I just love the energy that you bring to everything that you do. Oh, thank you. And likewise, the listeners can't see, but you are wearing a beautifully vibrant yellow blazer. It totally matches your sunny disposition. And I love that that's intentional, you know, because this is, you know, creativity is how we express ourselves, how we 
put our sentences together. It's not anything super magical. I think adults forget that we all are creative inside. We just need to let that out a little bit. So tell me a little bit about your journey. You've had a, a very amazing and wild journey on how you got to where you are now. So why don't we talk to our listeners about your journey? Oh, thank you very much. Yes, you're right. I did not come the typical way. I was not one of those doctors that, you know, created cures for all their stuffed animals when they were six, you know. I basically thought as a teenager, gosh, medicine might be something cool to do. <laughs> and, it, and it really was. And, that, and that's part of the intellectual part, right? The, the right. curiosity, the learning. Oh, my gosh, how cool that would be to study. And it was interesting because I got to medical school and then I realized that people were sick. <laughs> yes. Wait a second. Oh. <laughs> so it was every 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 moment of the journey has been interesting. It's been a place of growth. I didn't have money to go to medical school, so I went to the Uniformed Services University, and so I became a commissioned corps officer in the public health service, which meant that I owed the government eight years of service after my residency. Thank and you I for that. The country. Thank you. Mm. And I traveled around the country providing medical care to the underserved. So I was internal medicine, pediatrics. And so I just did all of that. And I burned out in my seventh year of payback. And you talk about catalytic moments, right? That was a catalytic moment. I'm sure for many of your listeners that may be experiencing that right now, wondering if this is a moment they need to pay attention to. And I'm going to ask them to, to, to do that. Just that. Love that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And after my burnout, it took me about a decade working. I ended up working part-time um, as a locums at a major hospital system here in Atlanta. And I found myself. It took that long to do the deep work and, and getting healed from all of those expectations and all of those words. You know, what does it mean to be a good doctor? You know, when your, yes. CEO, when your CEO says, your CMO says rather, you know, why can't you be like Dr. So-and-so? Yes. You know, I need you to do a physical in 10 minutes. Oh, yes. You know, cr yes. Crying, crying in the bathroom, the staff bathroom every day. Um, yes. Chest pain. I mean, just it's a whole thing. I had to heal from that. That took a long time because I didn't have anybody to kind of talk to. I didn't have, you know, access to podcasts like yours that normalize that experience. Right. And that oh. helped people pivot. Yes. So it took about, it was a 10 year pivot. <laughs> I love this. And, yes, thank you. And then I wanted to, and I, and I wrote, I wrote a book. Um, I created a, a wheelchair, in, a, an invention for wheelchair users. And uh, then I realized I wanted to speak to other women yes. right, who were trying to figure themselves out occupationally as well. Started becoming a speaker and then a COVID hit. So I'll stop there because I think everybody probably has that needle on the record like, when COVID <laughs> yes, it was a great pause for all of us, don't you think? And I think that is where the the bloom of creativity and innovation happens is in that permission to pause. And I think a lot of us are changed for the better, I would hope. I'm not glossing it over saying it was a phenomenal, wonderful time. Um, there's certainly some real trauma, but at least it's bringing that that topic of trauma to the table. And now it's become normalized, right? There you go. And you are you are part of that. You are showing people that, hey, I, I love what you said is, you know, it is being a doctor or a physician is our J-O-B, right? But it is it is part of who we are. It isn't who we are. And I think peeling that back in post-pandemic times is even more crucial that 
you know, it can it, now people are more understanding of it's okay to admit, hey, I got to tap out. This is not helping my mental health. And how courageous of you to do this deep work. And so it took a decade. I mean, we are better <laughs> off for it. Look at you invented something. You wrote a book. I mean, like you did so many things. And I think that's where physicians get pigeonholed or nurse practitioners or PAs. It doesn't matter what the label is. You get pigeonholed that you work so hard for this. So you must embody all of this all the time. And you're allowed to be human and you're allowed to have other parts. Absolutely. You are absolutely spot on. And the colory to that is that remember who you were before this journey began. Most of us are polymaths. We are polymaths. We have all this, this inside of us, all the stuff that we put in our applications, right? You know, we sung, we acted, we, we edited yearbooks. We did all of this stuff. And then we're asked to, what's the right word? Surgically excise all yes. these other parts of our, ourselves. And part yes. of that, part of that trauma is the fact that I am no longer playing my violin. I am no longer in your case, playing my clarinet. I am no longer writing. I am no longer doing all these things that made me me before I was told that I had to be this. I had to be, you know, um, Sir Robert Osler, right? I, I had to, I had to put the little glasses on and the stethoscope and then I had no other identity. Oh, I, 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 yes, keep going. I could listen to you like, like you are just <laughs> preaching the right sermon. Yes. I will share with you. I had a, a coachee, a young a doctor that I coached and she talked about donning the lab coat. She talked about the persona that she became when she put her lab coat on that, that old part of her left and that this new person emerged, the slick, right? Competent mm -hmm. person. Mm -hmm. But what about her? So it's kind of like we have this integration that has to occur. The two, I, I think Prince had a Prince had a song back in the day. It's called My Name is Prince. Oh. And <laughs> I gotta love it when you drop the Prince in. You gotta get Perfect. the Prince. And and one of the lines in the song is, I have two sides and they both friends. Yes. So it's this integration. How do we help? And I think that's one of your missions on the planet, if I'm not mistaken, is helping yes. doctors find that integration. Yes. And bring it all in. I found out that I was a better doctor when I integrated all of those other parts of who I am. I yes. wasn't another, I wasn't a, I wasn't as good of a doctor when I tried to be someone else. Excuse me. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yes. And you know, you are you are perfectly right in words have meaning, the way we show up, the donning the white coat, there is a certain part that we are trained to project confidence and be assured in our decision-making. And that is for a good purpose. Patients want to have a confident clinician, you know, but like you said, I love how you said we excise it. It's almost like we do a creativectomy, you know, okay, <laughs> you, you did enough to put on your, your, yeah, your whole uh, application has all these beautiful things. Now it's time to excise that, you know, put it on the shelf. Now you're dedicated um, to this, you know, and that is so wrong. I think we need to embrace this humanity that makes us human um, and be great doctors for other humans. I love that you talked about excising and that's exactly, it's like, take it off the shelf, put it back in, let's integrate. So tell me a little bit more about how you envision this integration process. How have you helped other coaches that, you know, have forgotten who they are? Absolutely. I'm going to ask your, answer your question just a second, but can you say that word again? The creativectomy. Creativectomy. <laughs> I love that. It's just like so rich. I, I think the, the thing that 
and that's why one of this, um, the, 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 the beautiful thing about this program that I discovered is called Positive Intelligence last year. It, it's a sense of permission. It's remembering. I help physicians remember who they are, not were, who they are, okay? And then it's a question of permission because we don't feel like we have permission because we downloaded this app. I call it the Good Doctor app or the Good APP app, right? The Good yes. Nurse app. We downloaded the app and then we, we accept all these permissions. We've given this app permissions to download upon us to overwrite certain Ooh. things about ourselves. Now, part of that integration is saying, you know what? I believe that being a good doctor is X, Y, and Z. And I am going to keep those parts of the app, but I'm going to reject those other parts of the app that don't serve, that actually serve to suppress my personhood. What we're talking about is personhood. Yes. Because you know what? At the end of the day, your patients come to see you. Yes. They come to see you. They don't come to see this, this robot you know, this guideline, you know, spewing robot, you know, you're going to be on a stat and you're going to do this. It's you. So it will help your doctoring to be you. It'll help your happiness to be you. And so how do we integrate that in your daily work, but also administratively, right? Because that's mm -hmm. a whole nother, you know, ball of wax. It's like, uh -huh. how, how do you get your admin team to understand how your personhood intersects with your work? Ooh. Ooh, 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 such gold. First of all, love the metaphor of the app. I love that. That's so tangible. Um, we've all done that, right? It's so relatable. You're downloading an app. Do you want those push notifications to say you've got to do all 10,000 things, you know? And I think just now we're stepping into owning the fact that we need to push back as physicians. I mean, we signed up to be caregivers and helpers. So naturally, a lot of us are still recovering perfectionists and codependent thinkers because we want to do a good job because we're good at it. So we get a little bit of dopamine when we help out more people, you know, it feels good. And then we get addicted to the helping cycle without remembering that we're bleeding out on the sword of this helping. And I love that you're talking about, you know, this starting these small seeds that you're empowering these individual physicians to remember who they are inside and hopefully that's going to help the systemic change. Cause you and I both know girl, that this is not going to happen overnight. You know, and I, that's why I say to everybody in all my talks, it, the system is toxic. It is not going to change overnight, but that doesn't mean that we can't start doing something to save ourselves. That's right. You know, that's right. That's right. So, you know, we, we talk about, we know the data shows that the system needs to change, but until the system changes, you're absolutely right. There are things we can do. And that is the mindset. That is emotion. That is permission that is seizing the personhood. So I love this concept that I've been exploring lately um, about judges, saboteurs, and the sage. Oh, yes. Please talk more about that. Yes. If there's anything that we need as physicians, it's understanding what is truly internal to us and what is external. So as a human being, we all have a judge, right? Yep. You're bad. You can't do this. Who do you think you are? You stink. Okay. I can say a word, right? You suck. Okay. That's constantly in our ears. And it, and it, and to answer that question, we generate what we call saboteurs. So in response to fear of poverty, fear of criticism, fear of, of, of failure, we develop these, these personas to answer the attacks of the judge that we're not good enough. So yes. 
These are called saboteurs and saboteurs have been around forever. They're archetypes, they're ancient archetypes. Plato described them. They became popularized mm -hmm. in the turn of the century with, with the psycho, psychotherapy. So we talk about, you mentioned pleasers. Mm -hmm. Okay, when you have the pleaser saboteur, it's not just, I want to help you. It's, I am a better person if I help you. Part yes. of my identity is I am a helper. Yes, and, and that's my worth. That's how I'm worthy. Yes, 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 yes. And I want you to like me. I want you to be straight. I want you to be cool. Because when that happens, you'll give me love back. Mm -hmm. But then it doesn't happen. Because we're burned out. Mm -hmm. We're over giving. And then we become resentful. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody appreciates me. <laughs> I give right. and I give and I give. And it's a wonderful thing. But it's a question of identity. All these things have to do with identity. How do you, how do you become a person of value or a hyperachiever, right? Mm -hmm. I'm going to have these letters after my name. And I'm going to have these letters after my name. There's nothing wrong with achieving things, but it's that self-worth. Yes. You no. Know? And yes. other people, if they don't have the same initials that I do, they're not as valuable. Oh, you nailed it. Oh my goodness. Yes. It is like we pad ourselves in this security blanket of alphabet soup, you know, not saying that that's great if you want to accomplish things, but when we start to lay judgment on others and say, well, look at all of these things that I've done it, it kind of twists that narrative of, well, are, can you stand alone in the human that you are and you are worthy enough with mm. what you've done? Um, and I think that's the imposter syndrome a lot of us face is, oh, I don't know enough. I must get another training or certification on this. And, you know, that's not what it's about. You are absolutely right. And the even scarier thing is that it's never satisfied. Correct. That beast is never satisfied. You might celebrate for a few minutes. I achieved this. I got my third board certification in bariatric medicine. Hooray. Now what, what else? Yep. On to what the else? next mountain. Yep. On to the mm -hmm. next mountain because it's about identity and we could achieve what we need to achieve in something called our sage. Our sage is that part of us that is connected, that is vital, that is wise. It's like a Jedi in battle. Yes. Okay. So she's facing five opponents and she has her lightsaber. But she's not frightened. She's not scared. She dispatches them. Okay. And she has compassion toward the people that she's defending. Yes. So, so we can do everything we need to do in our lives in that mode. We don't have to be in the fear mode and in yes. the I need to prove myself mode. You mentioned it a second ago, standing in for who you are. Mm -hmm. And standing it's hard to it. hard to inspire, right? Because I think when you're stuck in burnout. Um, at least the physicians and nurse practitioners that I've coached and mentored, it's hard to see that. You really want to blame because you're angry. You're angry. Burnout is more than just feeling depressed. I mean, it is a a death of your dreams. I mean, what you mm -hmm. thought was going to be isn't happening. So mm -hmm. it's like you're divorcing yourself from your alternate reality. And you thought this is not what I thought it was going to be like. So you're angry. And I can see how it would be very difficult to explain to somebody, well, let's help you. Cause they're going, well, I'm not the problem. It's this. And they're right. And this is where you can hold two truths. It's the cognitive flexibility to understand it's yes. And, you know, it, yes, the system is bad. Yes. This is not what you envisioned. Yes. This is wrong. Yes. This is not how you were trained. 
but we can also help you put floaties on in the ocean. Let's get you to like bob up in the water here. So you're not drowning, you know? Absolutely. I love that analogy. I love the bobbies. Um, it's hard to see when you're, when you're hijacked. Good word. When you're emotionally hijacked. And, um, you know, I find it difficult to work with people who are actively burning out. Yeah, I, I, I do, because there needs to be a space. There needs yes. to be a space for healing. I mean, for me, it was, you know, three months on my mom and dad's couch. I mean, when I when I burned out, I woke up one morning, I couldn't work. I was just at the end of my obligation. Thank God so I was able to finish it. But yep. I couldn't work. Yep. I could not work. And I couldn't interview. I could not go to yep. another employer and say, I'm going to do the best I can for you. I, would, I had nothing left. Yep. You were on fumes. You couldn't, you know, <laughs> emotionally exhausted. You'd reach your limit. Yes. And I, I love that you said the space part because- that is hard to, to work. And I would recommend if you are listening now and you are feeling really resonating with this end of the line burnout, please seek out trusted mental therapy, behavioral health, you know, a great physician coach or, but somebody that you trust to have these candid conversations with, because that is hard. Um, once you create space and you give yourself permission and you say, <laughs> okay, okay, admin team, I'm going to take off a month. I'm sorry. I got to do it. You know, I'm done. I need mental health days, whatever this break or space is for you. Once you have that, it's amazing how you can heal and then start working forward. Don't you agree? Totally. hundred percent. I have yeah. nothing to add. That is just amazing. How do you, how do you inspire people to take space? Do you have any little magic wand, Dr. Catherine? I mean, come on, you gotta have like <laughs> something in your pocket, like sprinkle a little bit of dust where they get this awesome space. How, how do you inspire that? I think one thing that's been helpful is to ask, and I work with women, um, to ask my women colleagues, what would you tell your patient who was going through this? And what that does is that that really puts a reset on that conversation because we've got all kinds of advice. We would give somebody FMLA in a heartbeat. Yep. We would give them a week off. Um, yep. So how can we show, how can you show yourself that exact same compassion that you would show your patient clearly? Beautiful. You know, I, I even have people look in the mirror. I have people look in the mirror and I have people do a soap note on themselves, a verbal soap note. So, you know, subjective, what are you feeling right now? Objective, you look at yourself in the mirror, what do you see? You see the slumped shoulders, you know, do you see the, the bags under your eyes, you know, and what's your assessment and then what's your plan? Even if it's just the, the plan can just be one nugget. Like, you know what? I need to take tomorrow off. I just need to cancel my patient because, you know, if I show up, I don't know what might happen. People, people are that on edge. Yes. It's it's a dark place, right? I mean, we're losing 400 physicians per year um, to suicide. And I love your ability to create this creative exercise. Really, it's a creative self-assessment in a format that we instantly, our physician brains click on. Oh, soap note. I got that. Okay. Subjective. Like it clicks into our left brain logic, but you're giving it this empathetic space of what would you say to somebody in front of you like that? Because we have that wisdom inside. We do, you know, we just need to kind of uncover that. That's brilliant. I bet you get a lot of tears. Yeah. Wow. 
That's amazing. I hope if any C-suite people are listening in right now, <laughs> that might be a good thing to do because this is the thing is, you know, doing a lot of the research shows, you know, gratitude, positive psychology, visualization, all those things help align our cognitive bias to better outcomes, right? We know this. It's all in the research. And so having yourself look at yourself that way, what would your 80-year-old self tell you now? You know, like you're doing a great job and my God, you need a break. You know, I mean, you want to be there for your 80 year old self, but what would they say? Cause you know, you know, you're stuck. Mm. And I think it's hard for us sometimes to see that there's a better outcome. And I know you've been yes. helping a lot of physicians. So tell me typically what that might feel like. You mentioned, you know, not making huge decisions in this burned out state, but like, tell me more about what that better future can look like. I am so, I get so jazzed when I start hearing the dreams, as you do as a fellow coach. The things that people have let, you mentioned dreams dying, but they're not necessarily completely dead. They're in a little tiny corner, just, you know, where the mice live. Right, they're in your junk drawer. They're like in your (laughs) gift closet, you know, shoved in the back, the the donation pile. Yeah. (laughs) Mm-hmm. We all have that stuff on them, you know, I out of the sticky stuff get there. And so it's, it's providing, and that's one, my coaching is so cool because you're providing a space for that dream to emerge. And, and so, you know, and that looks different for everybody, you know, because people are still bound by their responsibilities. So how many people have you spoken to? How many, you know, physicians and clinicians, I can't make any changes right now. I got a kid going to school. I got to put a kid through school. Okay. Um, Or several kids through school, or my husband lost his job, or my husband just retired, or, you know, we've, I've got a sick family member to take care of, and I need to move them in. There's all this. Absolutely. So part of that is, is juxtaposing the dream with the reality. Mm -hmm. And but but the dream, the dream never dies. So what we do is we are able to kind of create a path. And this might be a long-term thing because people are like, well, I want to quit my job, you know, in six months. That may not be doable, but that dream never dies. So how do we create a plan that actually takes into account those responsibilities you have to do? So it's so it's not either or. You yes. mentioned it's not black and white. It's not like, well, I guess that dream's dead. Yep. <laughs> Yep. Nope. Nope. I love this because you're really, to use the analogy, you're pulling threads and knitting together these, even though they're small threads, they're there. It's there. That bundle of yarn, that dream yarn is there. You're just going to pull that thread and start knitting Mm -hmm. tiny little pathways because studies also show that autonomy and agency is, is addicting. Like you feel like you make one tiny change in your calendar. You carve out 10 minutes every morning to sit and look at a wall and do nothing. (laughs) That is your choice, right? Or five minutes to listen to your, you know, favorite aria. And you used to be an opera singer in college or whatever this is, this permission to spend this time on yourself to create that path and move one little step further. You're helping them see that autonomy is contagious and it does lead to better things. Now you can't quit your job overnight, but each little thing is powerful. I would, I would think you would agree. I bet you see it in your clients that are like, Oh, I did create space for that. And look what happened. You know, my gosh. And these women are amazing. Women are not that your guys are amazing too. But it's yeah, no shade to the guys, no shade to men. Absolutely. But it's just amazing how people, once they grab onto that, 
they run with it. Because again, we are polymaths. Mm-hmm. We're polymaths. There's a lot of power in our industry, a lot of power in our people, a lot of power in our colleagues. That's how yes. y'all got here. Yes. Okay. Yes. And, and having ourselves in this system, which we can't ignore all the other oppressions at, at place, racism, socioeconomic, gender, patriarchy, all these things put us on our shoulders. So especially the unique spot that women are in, women mm-hmm. of color. I mean, mm-hmm. you get into that niche and you see all the unspoken things that are wrestling around in their brain. And yeah. no wonder you feel stuck. You feel like, well, I can't go anywhere, you know? Trapped, trapped. How many people feel trapped? And they use that word, I feel trapped. So let's wake up to the possibility that you are not trapped. You listener out there. Yes. You know, let's wake up to the possibility that that dream is still alive. And it's, and, it, and you mentioned it, Dr. Laura, you mentioned it. You had this wonderful, if you guys have not heard this, this is an episode with Dr. Fork. Dr. Fork. Yes. Heather awesome. Fork. Awesome. And you said that it's about, it's about, oh, what did you say? You put it so beautifully. It's about connecting. I have to think about it. I can't remember oh, the exact words, but I it, can't was, even it was really good. But it was really good. And it talked about, about the autonomy. That autonomy is so important and it moves you forward. So I'll think about yes. it in a minute. I no, can't you're right. But I think this is, you're absolutely right. And gosh, I feel like I need to, to research my own brain. Um, I say brilliant things at 3 a.m. when I'm you know getting up. But anyway, um, so, but it's true that I think that the more, I remember, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, you know, being a young medical student with some attendings in a rural country doc way where they had paper charts and they knew all the families and they had fun little games they played during their pediatric evaluations. And it was so fun. I thought this is the kind of doctor I want to be. This is really creative. And then suddenly fast forward and it's all check marks and typing and clicking and it's not at all what you can do. And, and so, you know, this autonomy that is kind of oppressed in us, you know, I getting a memo that I couldn't wear certain things to work and, you know, it just became like stripped of your uniqueness. It's sort of like set a fire in me. Like, no, you can't tell me what to do. And I think a lot of doctors are feeling that way. Although I have to say as a aficionado of TikTok university, I'm learning a lot of things. And there is an influencer, a creator, I don't know her name, but she's a medical student and she is showcasing her journey through medical school as a raver. And so she goes to rave parties and and I'm going, girl, that would have gotten me kicked out. Had a job. Wow, the times have changed because, like, <laughs> I remember piercing my nose years ago and thinking, "Oh God, I gotta hide that," you know. Um, and so, like, it's really cool to see that it's changing. I think the pendulum—we're stuck in these dark yeah. times where AI hasn't helped yet, and AI yeah. is there. Like, they can yeah. soon have like Siri in the room with you and yes, take yes, notes. Yes, yes, I yes, see the yes, future, yes, right? Yes, yes. But yes, we're yes. in this dark time where we're not there yet, and I think we're losing people because of it. And it's really, it's really sad, but once you, people like you are out there helping physicians and really being their champion saying, no, no, let me remind you you're in there. Mm-hmm. Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. I love that. I love that. I love that. And you know, who we talk about who is burning out, right? We talk about the young people that you just mentioned, huge rate of burnout, right? In medical schools, res- medical students and residents. Um, sorry. And um we also talk about people who are toward the end of their careers, right? Not the retirees, they're they're kind of in there, but but the, the people who are in their 
late thirties and forties, mm-hmm. you know? So, so what do we, how do we approach them? So the young people have a different mindset and a lot of us old fogies compared, compared to right. old fogies, how do we reach, you know, those people that are still struggling with that mindset? So. Right. That is hard. And it probably requires a lot of flexibility on your coaching skills because the younger generation doesn't know any different. This is what it is. Medicine that's has always true. had computers, that's you know, true. They, they, and not to say, well, you signed up for it. That's not it either. But like, they kind of know, but we have the memory of what it was like <laughs> in the golden years. And the people in like the late mid forties, fifties, when they're not yeah. quite ready to retire, but they're really yes. heartbroken. Yes. Those are the ones that we, you know, at least me personally want to inspire them to think your skills as a polymath, as a very talented person you could use those same skills in other industries. You don't have to be a doctor. You could find a million different solutions. Do you have any common thing that you see as you're counseling physicians or or nurse practitioners and they may leave their career? Do you have any common areas that you see they end up or any cool stories you'd like to share? Well, actually, you know, I have to say that I am not, I have not been in coaching as long as Dr. Ford. So. I have, in my experience over the last probably year and a half that I've been a coach, is literally everyone's trying to figure out how to hang in there. All my clients, they have a goal of one day I am going to be, quote unquote, free of clinical medicine or I have the option. But until that time, I need tools to plan and I need tools to stay healthy and alive which is just as valid. Absolutely. So that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm seeing in my coaching practice. Yes. Um, They're not ready. Yeah. But that's okay. Absolutely. And I think that's very helpful because you're, you're trying to keep them. We need that because too many doctors are leaving. You know, we need the people saying, I'm not ready to go yet, but I want to survive and thrive. I don't want to feel like this is so horrible. And that's so important. We need the physicians to stay at their post and to continue. And this is where the C-suite and administrators don't like what I'm going to say, but it may require less productive physicians to get there, you know, by their metric. I mean, I'm kind of tired of Prescani. I'm kind of tired of RVUs <laughs> and I'm tired of measuring the physician's yes. worth. That that was what tipped me over. Yes. And I talked yes. about it with Heather is being in a meeting and saying, well, your patients only had a 75% mammogram rate. You know, that's going to lower reimbursement. It's like, why am I judged by that? You know? I can't it's, control what these folks do. <laughs> right. It's like you know? teachers, you know, teachers and yeah. test scores when their students yeah. score low on tests, they're just as frustrated as well. It's yeah. the same warped yeah. thinking that that's yeah. not to measure a clinician's worth. And so we've got to, you know, you're, you're giving people skills to handle this, you know? Yeah. And then also, you know, just simple things. How do I, I mean, a study came out, this was back in July from out of university of Chicago that it was a simulation study. And they looked at, they, they, they looked at a hypothetical panel, um, 2,500 patients. I think they took it from the, the um, NHANES, NHANES study group. Mm-hmm. And they said, how many hours would it take an average internal medicine doctor in a day to do everything that they're supposed to do with this patient? And it came out to 27, 26 point something, but basically 27 hours a day to do chronic health management, acute care management, preventive care, education, yes. 20, no, 
The last time I checked, we only had 24 in a day, but that doesn't include the time yes. that we need to go home and sleep and be with our families right. because we are human beings. Right. So, so, so this whole, it's the small thing about how do I possibly feel good about not getting all my charts, emails, phone calls, uh, paperwork, Ooh. you know, labs done by the end of the day. Oh, you are hitting it right there because we are rule followers as doctors. We're like, okay, you give us something to do. We're going to do it. And then they have loaded us with so many things. It's unrealistic. You can't, you just simply cannot, but we still struggle. We still struggle with that mindset. So now I'm up till two in the morning every day. I haven't worked out in months. I've gained 20 pounds. My blood pressure is off the chain. I'm having headaches. My marriage is on the rocks. So this is, this is, this is where I am right now with my, with my people that I coach. It's how do I just get to a place of compassion for myself, of being able to say, you know, this is what I am and and I'm not going to do because there just aren't enough hours. How do I talk to admin? Yes. How do I talk to my administrator? You know, so, so it's, it's that boots on the ground stuff as, and I love the, okay, I'm going to write a book. You know, I'm going to become this type of specialist. I'm going to do this. I love that. But what I'm seeing my people need right now is how do do I stay in this long enough to achieve that? Oh, beautiful. Yes. And I think part of that work, I would imagine, is helping them see that they aren't this identity. That's not all of them. Because if you assimilate into I am a physician or nurse practitioner, that is what I am, then you lose track of, okay, let's distance yourself, do just enough. My favorite word of the of the year is sufficient. I love the word sufficient <laughs> because it kind of sounds like efficient, but it's also like, you know, I'm I'm sufficient. I need to do what is sufficient. You're not going to get all your charts done. You're not going to get all your inbox. I've been on the flip side as a patient, you know, advocating for my daughter or making appointments. And I see mm-hmm. how horrible the system is. It can take mm-hmm. days or weeks to get a question answered, but I get it. And you know what? The system is not going to change overnight. So Physicians need to be the one to hold that boundary and say, I can only do what is sufficient and clear your mind. You're doing the best you can. Because there's no one else that's going to do that for you. No. And what's the reward for getting it all done? It just comes right back. You have another <laughs> inbox message. So I feel like sometimes I want to slap ourselves. Like, what are we, what are we aiming for? It's not like it's going to, we're not going to get a, a treat. There's nothing at the end. You know, I, I, I remember that is so funny because I remember cleaning out the inbox the other day and it's like, and I'm just, it's completely clean. And then I'm waiting for something to drop. And I'm like, yes! five minutes go by. I'm like, right? can I leave now? Can I get it? Can I just? <laughs> yes, you want that Super Mario Brother, like, ching You want like the gamification, some like level up award, but no, it's just yeah, it it's not going to happen. It it's not, we have to, we have to create different standards yes. of sufficiency and worth. Yes. And what do I need? What do I need to, to do the job? my job well, the way that I want to do it, the way that I know I need to do it for me. Because, you know, I, I remember, because I'm a locums doctor. And so I've been a locums actually, you know, as a covering all these years as a as a traveling physician. So I, I'm a professional locums. I've been locums all my life. I think the love longest it. I ever stayed somewhere was three years. But, you know, I remember covering. So I, and I love being a locums because I get to see how people are handling things in all these different types of environments. So I go to office to office to office and I'm, I'm seeing the same thing. And I remember covering one gentleman and his, his, he answered all of his labs with, your labs are normal. Your labs are normal. Your labs are normal. Of course, I'm, I'm coming behind and not normal. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. But, but, but everybody has their own idea of sufficiency. Yep. 
and you have to choose. We're talking about autonomy. So you get to choose Yes. what that looks like for you. Yes. Yes. I just want my doctors and my colleagues and my APP colleagues to choose. Choose what you will do and what you will not do and why and understand why. Be guided by your value system. Be guided by your highest values of what you're here on this earth. Oh, that's what it was, Laura. You mentioned purpose. Like, sorry, I thought I had mm-hmm. to do with that. It was purpose. You said, and this is I, I simpatico with this hundred percent. We are here for a freaking reason. We are here for a freaking reason to do something. Okay. Why are you here? What is your purpose? At the yeah. end of the day, you fall out. How many, how many times have we seen doctors fall out? Mm-hmm. They die or they, yeah. everybody mourns the QO. He was a great doctor, but then they, 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 they go on. Yes. It doesn't, it doesn't belittle what we do because we save people's lives. You know, right. everyone, every one of us has had a role in helping save someone's life. I'm not belittling that. What I am yes. talking about is purpose. Yes. Are what do you, you want to be known purpose? for? Yes. Yeah. Well, yes. Are you on purpose for why you were here? Oh, I love that. You know? I love that you, you talk about finding your own values, aligning that with the metrics that you choose to say, whether you're sufficiently doing a good job or not. And this is where I think the collide happens is we've been so fostered and rooted into the evidence-based medicine and look at all these things we must do. And suddenly everybody's metrics is on our lap that we have to align with everything. And that just isn't physically and humanly possible. So to push back kindly and say, that's great that you, but this is how I measure my worth and I'm going to move forward for my sanity, you know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, Catherine, I, this has been so fun. Um, I, I would love to invite you. I'm, I'm saying this in jest because it was actually one of the hardest conferences I've ever been to. It's called the healthcare burnout symposium. And it was in, it was in January. And I talk about it all the time. It was kind of PTSD because it's all the darkness of burnout. A lot of physician coaches there, a lot of people wanting to change the systems, which is great, but it's a lot of, wow, this is tough. But I would hope that you and I can collide sometime at one of these conferences because I have a feeling we could bring some awesome energy um, to that space. You're just, you are so enthusiastic. No <laughs> doubt people that that find you are very lucky to have you by their side. So can you please tell our listeners where they can connect with you? Thank you. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. Uh, visit, um, you can visit me at LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, Catherine Woodhouse, MD with a C. Um, I'm on uh, evolvedphysician.com. So E-V-O-L-D, evolvedphysiciansingular.com. You can check out the resources there. And uh, I would love to offer you guys a free ebook if you'd like. We'll put that in the show notes. I would love that. That is awesome. Everybody must check out Dr. Catherine Woodhouse. She's amazing. I, I just, I hope I can invite you back sometime because I love our conversation and you're doing such amazing things. I'm so grateful to know you and I'm glad that our paths crossed. I am too. And you keep up the excellent work. Oh, thank you. Thank you, you. And you definitely color outside the lines. I can tell. So thank you, <laughs> Dr. Catherine. And thank you to all our listeners for listening to the Catalyst podcast. Until next time, please keep coloring outside the lines. Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Catalyst podcast. I'm a physician who survived burnout by prescribing my own creativity. Now I teach others how to apply the neuroscience of flow to redesign their work-life masterpiece in a world where burnout will always exist. Cultivating flow takes practice, and I've developed a three-step system that you can learn in my AHA flow-infused time management guide. This free downloadable guide will help you anchor, highlight, and activate 
flow channeling methods so you can bend time and find more joy in your day. You can find these at drlarasalier.com forward slash links. And if you're listening to this episode before January 23rd, 2023, sign up for my five-day virtual Catalyst Symposium Bootcamp, 30 minutes a day, where we'll have live webinars where I will teach you the aha principles at work so that you can emerge more aware of how to find your own flow cadence every day, how to emerge as the colorful artist of your own masterpiece. Again, you can find those links at drlarasalier.com forward slash links and keep coloring outside the lines.